0: The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast is now presented by Winbet. Winbet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game odds to live in-game odds, Winbet has what you need to win. Sign up today and bet $100 to get a $100 free bet at sportsgamingpodcast.com slash winbet at sportsgamingpodcast.com slash wynnbet. We're also brought to you by the SGPN World Cup Free Roll, $250 cash and a $250 gift card to the winner. Enter today exclusively on the SGPN app. Welcome everybody to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Scott Reichel, and I'm joined by a very special guest, the original OG co-host for the podcast, Sam Jacob, and together we're going to break down the final match in the ATP Finals. First of all, Sam, been a while. Have you been? Looking forward to breaking down the match with you.
1: Yeah, it's good to be back. I took a little bit of a hiatus there, but uh, I'm happy to be back with you talking some tennis.
0: Yeah, Definitely a fun tournament so far. I know that you've been watching it uh, with me on occasion, and I'm kind of wondering so far, what are your thoughts on the event? I know it's the first year that they're using this particular venue in uh, Italy. It was originally in a bunch of different areas, but it was in the UK for the last 10 years or so. Now they kind of transitioned over to Italy. I like it. There are some issues, apparently, with the speed of the court, which is why the first serve numbers for the first couple of matches were outrageous. It just seemed like the courts were playing a little bit too fast. But as a whole, I think the atmosphere has been very good. I think the crowd's been very good. And I like what I've seen from the overall product. You?
1: yeah i gotta agree and especially with the venue uh, i think the venue is absolutely excellent especially from the fans perspective uh the dark room and the lit up court it's almost like you're watching a movie but you're not and i feel like it's an experience i definitely would like to have and i think that other uh, other venues should adopt um this type of look outlook yeah or layout um Based off this venue, because it seems like something that would be really cool to go to. The only thing I would say is that because it's like that, I think they only have one court. So it's a little bit tough scheduling wise. But other than that, the court itself is absolutely beautiful.
0: Yeah, I did have a bit of a rant there about the schedule. I wasn't sure if I should do it now or wait until we start to actually go through the final matchup. But what do you think? You think I should do it now or do you think I should wait for the actual match preview?
1: for the rant of the schedule the uh, the scheduling yeah yeah talk about scheduling
0: all right so you mentioned that it's on one court and i i'm aware that that can make it occasionally difficult to schedule some matches and trying to break it down i think it's absurd that one side of the bracket had an extra day of rest leading up to the semis and that has been the case in grand slams and in some other events But usually, at least both sides get at least one day off. Usually, one side will get two days off. The other side will get one day off. Both sides are rested to some degree, and you can keep going forward. I think it was a little bit absurd that you had Fritz and Rude, who got an extra day off leading up to the semis after the group stage concluded, while Djokovic and uh, Rublev, had to go to separate wars and then immediately play the day after with no time off in between. I thought that it was an extreme just competitive disadvantage for those two guys for really no reason. I really don't know why, especially for the final ATP event of the season, you didn't schedule in a day off in between to make sure that you actually had the best possible product going into the semis. And Djokovic is Djokovic. He won anyway. Competitive match against Fritz. He won in two tie breaks. But you look at Rublev, for example, in his match against Rude, he was totally cooked physically. He had nothing on the table. He got absolutely smacked. And I feel like that could have been prevented if there was extra recovery time in between the final winner-go-home group stage match between him and Tsitsipas and the semifinal match against Rude. And I thought we kind of got robbed of a good product there in that other semifinal because Rublev just had nothing left in the tank.
1: So then what 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 are you thinking? What are you proposing here? What I would think is that you would have to double up on a day. You'd still have to go back to back for the second stage people because of how the scheduling works. One team then the next the other uh, side of the bracket and then the first side of the bracket and the other side of the bracket, you still have to double up on, let's just say Thursday, but then give them off Friday makes sense to me and then have Saturday and Sunday be the semifinal and finals. That 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 was my point.
0: I'm fine with the semifinals and finals being back-to-back days because I'm aware that you try to fit it into a week, but I do feel like there should have been some day off in between just to ensure that the ATP finals... You know, the championship, the most important event that's not a Grand Slam tournament, should have involved a better plan with regard to rest for these star players to put their best foot forward on a big stage as the final, let's just say, dessert of the actual tennis calendar, if that makes sense.
1: So you would double up on a back-to-back day before the semifinals even hit. Like, uh, as the last day of the group stage, uh, you would double up and make, let's just say, the second the, t- the uh, part of the bracket that's playing on the second days play on a back-to-back then instead of having to play back-to-back into a semifinal.
0: Yes, or in other words, you could potentially just put all four matches on the same day for one of the group stage days and then plan it yeah. out accordingly. That was kind of yeah. m- my logic of it. But I don't know if you agree or disagree, but I did think it was a little bit weird that Djokovic, who I know is overcoming some blood sugar issues, it looked like, in the middle of that Medvedev match after the second set, he ended up winning in three. But if you watch the Rublev match against Rude, he got smacked. He just had nothing in the tank, and it seemed like he kind of expended all his energy in that third set comeback, or the I should say the uh, comeback match against Paz where he won in three.
1: No, that I mean that makes sense to me. If you're able if you can double up on a on a Thursday, giving you a break on Friday, that'd be perfect for all the players. It's just they literally are spreading it out perfectly and not really thinking about that. Uh, because one side of the bracket has to play on Monday, the next second, second yeah. side of the bracket plays Tuesday, then it just it lines up in that way. But I agree, if you move over the Friday matches to Thursday and make them play back-to-back on a Wednesday-Thursday, then they could have off-Friday going into a semifinal. I, I agree with that. I would like that change.
0: No matter what, there would have had to have been a back-to-back involved, but I feel like it would have been better to have the back-to-back done in the group stage because you don't have to win every match in the group stage to advance. Of course, it's more difficult, but the point is it's not a single elimination situation. I just feel like it's a little bit unfair to Rublev, who did nothing wrong. He won the match he needed to win against Sitsipas, but then rude has been doing nothing for about a day or so extra, and he can just scout and be healthy and watch Rublev potentially run out of gas. And I just feel like that wasn't exactly the fair situation for him. But either way, that's kind of my two cents. I think they could have scheduled it better. Still, you know, not the end of the world. Djokovic now, though, has to play three straight days, which is kind of another issue you run into for the final because it gets even worse as you keep winning rounds if you had no day off leading up to the semis. But, yeah, that's kind of my two cents, but I kind of want to know your thoughts. I think we're kind of on the same page.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with okay. you.
0: But either way, uh, it's time to actually get into the overall final match and to talk about how we've gotten to this point. Before I should get into any of that, I want to take a quick word from our sponsor. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with win rewards on WinBet. Be on the lookout for the WinBet Win Hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. During WinBet Win Hour, marquee games of the week will have better odds on WinBet, giving you a larger payout opportunity. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today and receive a special offer. Bet $100 and win $100 for no questions asked. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamingpodcast.com WinBet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offer something to change, terms and conditions at WinBet. Com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough women is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call one 800 4700 Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished going through quickly our thoughts on the tournament so far, as well as my brief rant about how the scheduling could be improved in future ATP finals. Now it's time to actually talk about the final match here. And to talk about the matchup between Rude and Djokovic, and before I actually get into any of the X's and O's and the overall odds and everything like that, do want to recap the actual path for both players up to this point. Rude ended up being a surprising winner of his group stage. He was actually the longest odds to win his group, and he did. He beat Felix in the first match, beat Fritz, in a competitive three-setter, went to a breaker in the third, and then after that, he lost to Nadal in straight sets. However, Ruud already clinched the group up to that point, so there were some question marks if Ruud was was going to fully try, if he was going to save some energy. It was a good match. Nadal looked awful in the first two matches, but then ended up winning one, so he didn't leave empty-handed. But it did seem like Rude was conserving energy at times just in case. And it paid off because Rude ended up beating Rublev very easily 6-2, 6-4 in the semis. As for Djokovic, he beat Tsitsipas in the first round in straight sets, beat Rublev in straight sets, then had the war against Medvedev, which I know Sam live bet in the middle of that match. But there are questions if Djokovic would actually try. Similarly to the Rude situation, he clinched his group already. So it was a matter of if he was actually going to care, and he did. And it ended up being a three hour marathon, which Djokovic won. Then he had no day off and had to face off against Fritz yesterday, which he ended up doing. And he, or I should say on Saturday, and he ended up winning that one 7 6 7 6. So Djokovic has had a couple of longer matches with some breakers involved. Rude really has not. Rude had one three-setter, and all three of the other matches were in straight sets. First of all, my question for you, since I brought up the actual scheduling spot here, and how it's kind of difficult for Djokovic playing for the third straight day, how much of an advantage do you think that actually gives Root?
1: I mean, given that Djokovic's stamina is what it is, I'm not going to give him such an advantage based off scheduling here. Uh, you know, he's playing Novak, who has the most stamina on tour um, and has been there so many different times and has gone through this process so many different times that I don't think there's any real advantage here. I think Djokovic knows where he's going and I know he knows what he's doing and he's been in this type of situation before. So it's I think it's just a match straight up, Rude versus Djokovic.
0: Yeah, I think that I do agree he's definitely the most fit player on tour. I think honorable mention would be Alcaraz after his insane US Open run where pretty much every match went to five sets and he still managed to win the thing. But I do agree. I guess I was only asking because of the initial stamina concerns in the Medvedev match where he was... It looked like he was cramping at times, and he had the shaking situation after the second set, but he overcame that, and he ended up looking comfortable yesterday. Didn't serve as well yesterday as he has in previous matches, Uh, did still win 75% of his first serve points, Uh, did end up... Uh, only facing two break points. Unfortunately, he lost both of them, but he did a pretty decent job with his serving. And Djokovic still looks like the best player in the world. I don't think much has changed there. I was kind of asking because to segue into the actual odds here for the match, Djokovic is a prohibitive favorite, as he should, because he's arguably the best player of all time. He's minus 360 on the money line. Root on the other side is around plus 290, give or take. And I was kind of wondering if you thought that that line was accurate, or if you thought that maybe there's a chance that either rest is being over-accounted for or under-accounted for based on the price.
1: No, I think this is actually the, I think the sports books did a good job here on this price. Um, I think that Djokovic really has uh, around an 80% chance of winning this match. And that's really what they're showing here with this, uh, with this number. So, uh, I mean, When it comes to the money line, Djokovic should be a heavy favorite because he's Novak Djokovic. Um, But I don't really see any specific wrongdoings here by the books to take advantage of.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. But I do think at the end of the day, if you're looking at a spot where maybe you can make a case where Rude could, hypothetically could, end up covering... Maybe it's the rest spot, but I'm only bringing that up because, historically speaking, Rude needs every advantage he can possibly get because Djokovic has dominated, and it's really not even been close. Uh, to go through the head-to-head, uh, shockingly, I'm being sarcastic, Rude has never beaten Djokovic. It's okay, Rude. A lot of people have never beaten Djokovic, but to go through the history here, Djokovic is 3-0. and It did play two times on clay, one time in 2020, Djokovic won in straight sets. They played in this exact same tournament last year in the round robin stage and Djokovic won in straight sets. And they played earlier this year in Rome on clay and Djokovic won in straight sets. Now, I know that only one of those matchups was on hard court and one of them did one of the sets went to a breaker. However, Rude's best surface, I know he made the U.S. Open final this past year. Do you think Rude's better on clay or do you think he's better on hard court because he made a final in a grand slam on both surfaces this season?
1: Yeah, he he's made both in the French Open and in the U.S. Open, but I mean statistically and historically, his best surface is clay. Um, I he's he's been putting up great results on hard court, but he's way more consistent on clay, even with the minor tournaments. Um, when you consider those, and not just the Grand Slams.
0: Yeah, I uh, I think that if I had to pick, I'd probably say Rude's best surface is clay. I don't think it's a hot take but he he won a bunch of clay court tournaments last season before his, before his breakout this year. So I just think that that's probably his most comfortable surface. And I bring it up because Djokovic, who's also really good on clay, uh, the only difference is, of course, they both run into Nadal in the French Open, and that's kind of how it goes. But Djokovic has really never had any issues with Rude, And I do kind of wonder if Rude will be able to solve the Djokovic puzzle here, and I don't think he will. Now, I will give props to Rude. And I will apologize to Rude because I basically wrote him off before this tournament started based on how awful he was leading up to this event. He had the great U.S. Open run. He lost in the final uh, to Alcaraz. And then after that, it was really just a disaster. He was losing to Munar on hard court. He lost to Nishioka. He was all over the place. And then he came into this event and I thought, all right, he's probably going to end up losing. It's why he was the longest uh shot to get out of the group, and he did. And he's all comfortable. Beating Felix was a very impressive win. Felix was the hottest player on tour, besides Djokovic, or Rune, maybe, uh, over the past month. Beat Fritz, top 10 player, and ended up losing to Nadal, but once again, motivation was a question, and then destroyed Rublev. So I do think you can look at a spot where Root has been undervalued this whole way. Djokovic, though, is another animal. And based on that, I do think Djokovic should be a huge favorite. Are you going to make a case for Root at all? Or we're both just picking Djokovic probably in straight sets?
1: You see, if this if this tournament was actually played on clay court, I would say that the odds would dramatically change. You know, he has eight titles on clay and only one title on hard, even though there's yeah. so many more hard tournaments than clay tournaments. So uh, the fact that it's a hard court here is a completely different story. Uh, do I, Like we mentioned before, he was able to beat Augur. I thought Augur was going to be able to make it because of how hot he is. But I honestly think Casper Ruud keeps the l- lowest price Profile when it comes to anyone on tour, and what I mean by that is that you, you don't really value him as like as the win, like he's going to win the the group, he's going to win his side of the bracket. It's it's always looking at somebody else. He just keeps a low profile. This and uh, when it comes to his play style and his capability, but he's just very very consistent, very very good. We mentioned that he made the finals of the French Open and the U.S. Open, and you can't knock that one bit. So. um I just think that he is a very, very good player. I just, you know, as historically I've done, Novak Djokovic is Novak Djokovic. I don't think he's going to be able to do much here. Uh, When it comes to the spreads and totals, which we'll talk about, maybe it's a little bit different, but uh, when we're talking about the match straight up, I think Djokovic, who's the hardcore champ, is going to come through.
0: Yeah, you can make a serious case that Djokovic is the best hardcore player of all time. I think you have a discussion... You can argue best player of all time, and I think that it's pretty safe to say at this point, uh, no offense to Federer, but I think that Nadal and Djokovic have separated themselves as being the best two players of all time. However, based on hard court success, i probably put Nadal third. Is that fair? I I feel like Djokovic and Federer are easily the best two hard court players of all time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that.
0: So I do think Djokovic, who is more comfortable on the surface, you mentioned the title disparity between Rude uh, with Rude on clay as opposed to hard court. And that's kind of why Rude's U.S. Open run was a bit surprising. And his fu- his French Open final run was not that surprising. Because we know Root has been a very good cliqueboard player for several years. But to go through some of these spreads and odds that, uh, for the totals that you can find, because there are some alternatives out there. Djokovic, for the most part, is minus three and a half games at around minus 120, minus 125. Uh, for the total, it's around 22 and a half. Uh, the over and under are both minus 110. You can find some alternatives. Uh, 23 and a half, the over is plus 110, under is minus 140. And for the sets, You do have over or under two and a half sets. Uh, Over is plus 155. Under is minus 185. I know we're going to save some of our best plays for the actual event uh, for the lock and dog segment. But just to briefly go through it, what type of overall feel are you expecting from this match? Do you expect to see a Djokovic masterclass again where he just rolls or do you think Root has his moments and maybe we have a bit of a war on our hands at least more competitively than people think
1: right so uh, when we talk about the money line here you know we discussed that before and I think that Djokovic is going to pull through we both but but when we're talking about spreads and we're talking about totals I can't deny the fact of how often Djokovic has been going to tie breaks here you know he just had two tie breakers against Fritz Um, And then he had two against Medvedev. So it's a very tough call when it comes to the 22.5 and and the 3.5 spread because that consists of two breaks, at least for Djokovic. And that's a two-break lead over Rude. So it's very tough here. I'm actually going to look at the over at the 22.5 just in in case it does go to the tie break and you know if if Djokovic does serve first and gets the break then he will go he will he will get that 6-3 and then that 7-6 which will um which would put it under but um I still think that it's a it's a good chance that this one of these sets might go to tie break and I think the over might might just get there.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that based on what we've seen with the speed of the overall courts that you have seen a lot of longer sets with a lot of holding serve And you could end up seeing that. I guess the only uh, difference would be the fact that Sitsipas, Medvedev, Rublev, and Fritz, I think we can agree, are all better servers than Rude. So I feel like that's the only, I'd say, counterpoint you could make. You can argue maybe Rublev serves a bit overrated because the first serve percentage could be better. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Would you probably agree, though, that those four guys are better servers than Rude? Or maybe at least three of them are better servers than Rude.
1: Yeah, yeah. Three of them are definitely better. We have Tsitsipas and Medvedev, who are for sure better. Um, well, but... And Fritz.
0: Fritz is a, R- one of the better servers and, on
1: tour, right? And Fritz, who had fifteen aces today, to is four aces today. So definitely better servers there. But uh, Ruud has been showing that he's been able to stay tough in this and he's been able to get those opportunities. The only thing is, is how many opportunities is he going to get and is he going to be able to convert? Many of these matches that he's had, he's been going to tie breaks and he's only been able to convert one break point, not including the one today where he was able to break Rublev four times. But, uh, you know, Rublev had the... um fatigue factor, but those other matches that he was playing throughout this tournament, he was getting one break opportunity and he converted on them. Um so well
0: that was the same thing with Rublev and his match today because Rude did break him four times. He only had four break point chances. So he's really been basically batting a thousand in baseball terms with the break point chances because he's made the most of them. But I do think you have to wonder how many looks is Djokovic going to give him because Djokovic has been serving out of his mind this entire tournament.
1: Uh, yeah, Djokovic has been playing very well, but he's been going to the breaks. So, I mean, I, I think it's a little bit uh, scary when it comes to that twenty-two and a half because you'll need um, you'll need a tie. Uh, you'll need to get two two of those breaks over Rude, and Rude does could get the opportunity to break. He just needs to be able to convert on them, and then you might have a problem with that under. Um, so if, if I'm going with uh, the spread in the total, I'm looking at the plus three and a half for rude and which is a plus 100 in the over 22 and a half, um, in the game. Now I'm not saying which one's my lock yet. We'll wait for that one, but that's how I'm looking at the match.
0: Well, we also have a couple of props. I don't know if you like any of them. Uh, I don't know if you're actually looking at them right now, or maybe I should just read them off, but either way you have props for the total aces in the match. You have props for the total double faults and the props for the total breaks of serve. Usually we have individual player numbers for those, but those unfortunately are not up right now. We only have the collective uh, number of aces, double faults and breaks of serve. So the aces are at 14 and a half for the over under a little bit juice to the under there at minus 125. The double faults combined are over under two and a half. The over is minus 145. And the under is plus 115. And as for the breaks of serve, you have over under three and a half. And the over is minus 135. Am I wrong for kind of questioning why the over three and a half breaks is favored at minus 135? Because both guys have been serving well all tournament long. And a lot of the players have served very well because the speed of the courts have been so fast.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um I, I would think that the favorite side would be the under three and a half, given the low breaks that have been happening uh, throughout this tournament.
0: It's based on reputation, of course, because Djokovic and Root are good returners, but I have to at least acknowledge, based on the court environment and the court just consistency from what we've seen up to this point, breaks have been few and far between.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I would think the opposite way. Uh, what what I think is interesting that you mentioned, you said it's an over 13 and a half aces or 14? It a was half?
0: 14 and a half. The over is minus 105. The under is minus 125. But Ruud and Djokovic have been surprisingly hitting double-digit aces in a couple of these matches, which is a bit unexpected.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a, a little bit. A little bit unexpected, but the I think it has to do with the speed of the court. And oh, I think over 14 and a half, though, hearing that number is a little little low there. I would think that uh, I like the over when it comes to that. Rude has been um, serving up a lot of aces. He served up 10 today. That would leave only five needed to be for Djokovic, which is uh, under the average of what he's been doing throughout this tournament. Um, and Rude had 14 aces against Fritz. He had... Um, He only had five against Auger, but Auger had 14 on him. If it goes the opposite way where Djokovic has at least 10, that hits the over. I I, I like the over
0: on that prop. Yeah, I'm leaning to the over as well, and I do agree it's based on the speed of the court, but that's kind of why I brought it up because people wouldn't expect Rude, for example, to have 14 aces against Taylor Fritz and 10 aces against Rublev in a straightforward 6-2, 6-4 match. That's kind of my point. It just seems like both guys are being mispriced in terms of aces and breaks of serve because they're kind of correlated in a way but the point is we do think that both players are undervalued in the marketplace for their serving in this event because of the speed of the court would you agree with that
1: yeah, absolutely. And uh, although I do have to mention that that Fritz one was a three-setter. When you talk about the Rublev match, he, he just had he, had he had ten on that yep. one. So um, I think Djokovic will be able to get a nice amount of aces here. Maybe hit the double-digit mark. And if he does hit the double-digit mark, I think that's a lo- that's locked up that the over is going to hit.
0: Yeah, I definitely can agree with that. But anything else you want to fully add uh, about this match breakdown or about? the pathway each player had or maybe how they match up against each other or should we just move on to the lock and dog segment.
1: Uh what were the props again besides the um breaks and the
0: aces? You have aces, double double faults, and breaks. What's the double faults number? Uh two and a half. The overs minus one forty five. The under wow. is plus one fifteen.
1: Wow you can't touch a two and a half. That's why I'm not
0: touching the double faults there. Uh, Maybe for individual players, I would have done something, but for this one, I can't. Uh, I think that number is pretty much untouchable, especially for the over at minus 145. Like that, I can't take. And we think it's going to go to maybe a breaker or two. So you might have a couple of long service games or long, I mean, uh, sets. So you might end up getting 12 service games with a tiebreaker attached to it. So you might have a lot of volume, which could get you over, but I'm not touching that. I do think though the breaks of serve and the aces might have something there in terms of value though.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on that. I like the aces especially. I think Djokovic will be able to get to a high number like nine or ten, and then it's pretty much a cakewalk for there for Rude.
0: Yeah, Rude's also not the biggest guy in the world. He stands far yeah. back on the court, but six feet he, tall. That's only? what I'm saying. So Djokovic could hit his spots and I'm not exactly sure if Rude's lunges would actually make contact with the ball. So there we go. Yeah, but,
1: yeah, if you compare it to a guy also kind of that height, uh, I mean Rublev's even taller than him. But uh, when Djokovic played Rublev earlier, who is I guess the closest to Rude's height, uh, Djokovic had let's I think it was twelve aces on him. So uh, Djokovic be...
0: had twelve against Rublev, and even yep. in the uh, destruction match that Rude had against Rublev on Saturday, Rublev once again got broken four times. He still had nine aces, and it was a very short match. So Rublev made the most of his opportunities when it came to first serves, and I think Djokovic can do the same.
1: Yeah, I, I got to like the aces over.
0: Yep. Uh, anything else you want to add, or do you want to uh, just move on to the next part of the show?
1: Um, I'm excited to give my plays out.
0: Cool. So we're going to get into the lock and dog picks for the final, but before I actually get into that, i going to have another word from our sponsor. We're also brought to you by the SGPN World Cup Free Roll. $250 cash and a $250 gift card to the winner. Enter today exclusively on the SGPN app. Make sure to check out all of the World Cup content on sportsgamingpodcast.com get your holiday shopping done early at the SGPN merch store. SGPN gear is the perfect stocking stuffer for the degen in your life. I personally like the Let It Ride Christmas sweater. If you're going to hear a bunch of Christmas music and you know people are already looking forward to it, might as well prepare for the Christmas parties you're going to have by getting a sweatshirt early, and the Let It Ride sweatshirt, I do think, is a very nice piece to add to your collection. Plus, from now on, until Thanksgiving, you can get 10% off while using the promo code DALLASSUCKS in all capitals, that store .sgpn.com, promo code Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished going through the final in the ATP uh, finals, uh, the last ATP tournament of the season with uh, OG co-host Sam Jacob over there. Now it's time to get into our best plays for that match in the lock and dog segment. Sam, since it is your first appearance on the show in a while, I'm going to let you do the honors. So you go first. What is your lock for the show?
1: All right. You know, I mentioned earlier in the podcast that I was looking at more at the 22 and a half and the three and a half, but in reality, I don't really like either one of those. And I, I was just talking about what I would think for the total and the spread, um, because it's been going to a lot of tie breaks. I do think that it's very possible that there is a tie break, but I do think Djokovic is going to win this one two nothing. I just think it's a bad matchup for rude. So what I'm looking at Even though I said over 22.5, I'm looking at the player total for Casper Rude under 10.5. That gives me the ability for him to get 7-6, tiebreak, Djokovic wins it, and 6-4. It gives me both options. I don't have to... Be stretching it out for the 22.5 and a half or the three and a half there, I could get the best of both worlds here as long as Djokovic wins two nothing in sets. So I'm looking at the under ten and a half for Kasparude, minus one twenty-five. If a score like seven, six, six, four goes down, I win. If it, anything less than that, and Djokovic dominates, I win again also. The only thing I'm fading, if he does win uh, two nothing, is a seven six um seven five or seven six seven six. So uh, I'm taking the under ten and a half minus one twenty five for Casper Rude.
0: Or even hypothetically, if rude wins a set and then he gets smacked six two six two in the next two sets, and <laughs> still win. That's so it is a possibility as well. If that's definitely, a, you know, it is possible. Djokovic could six all him if it goes to a third set and rude just throws in the towel. But yeah, definitely understand that play. And what is your dog for the podcast?
1: Uh, I'm I'm going to take something we mentioned uh, at the end there, and it's going to be the, one of the props. And I'm going to take the under three and a half breaks of serve in the match, and it's because I think Djokovic will win 2-0 in sets. I just think that the courts are playing very fast. There's not many break opportunities uh, throughout these matches. You know, Rude twice in, in these have only had one break opportunity and got that break and was able to win the match. So I'm going to go with the under three and a half plus 105 in breaks for this match.
0: Okay, and for me, well, I know that it's not exactly a rare situation to double lock something, but I had a secret play that I was stashing the entire show just to actually give it out, and you took it from under me. It was the (laughs) Kasparud under 10.5 games for his personal team total player total whatever i've taken a bunch of these props in the past and they've done well for us in the finals but 10.5 i think is too high uh you can argue that maybe if it goes three sets then you're in trouble i'll take my chances i think Djokovic does win this match in straight sets but i do think 10.5 gives you a lot of room for leeway you're looking at a spot where if rude does hypothetically win a set you're not totally dead You're most likely not going to win, but you still have some life, quote-unquote. But I do agree with the overall breakdown that you just had, and just to reiterate some of it, I do think Djokovic, if he ends up winning a set 7-6, and Rude ends up, of course, winning six games in that set, the spread wager might get screwed, and the total might get skewed because of the 13 games in the first set. However, that doesn't change the fact that Rude still has to put together a respectable showing in the second set in order to actually cash this over. So I'm going to kind of dare Rude to do it, and I'm with you. We're going to double lock the Rude player uh, total game number of under 10.5 at minus 125. And for my dog in this podcast, I am going to go to something a little bit bolder, but I do like the overall price with this. The only question is, do I want to go with... The alternative game spread or the alternative total here? Because I save a couple of draws there if I end up going with the games, but it is an extra 25 cents if I take the spread. Uh, do I want to go Djokovic minus four and a half, or do I want to go with the under 21 and a half? I mean, it's going to a breaker, which means... We're thinking it might go to a breaker, so... Da-da-da-da. Yeah, it's not great either way. I'm going to go with the Djokovic spread here. I'm going to take minus four and a half games at plus 155. Djokovic has owned him uh, in the three meetings they've had. They've played on Rude's favorite surface twice, and Djokovic is a little comfortable every time. He's covered this overall number in each of the three matches that they faced off against each other, including in the ATP finals from last year in the round robin stage. Djokovic did win 7-6, 6-2, so he did end up winning by five games. Plus 155, when we think the guy's going to win in straight sets, I think is definitely worth it. We've talked about how the serving has been very good for pretty much all players involved because of the overall speed of the courts. However, I think we would agree that Djokovic is arguably the best returner of all time, and Rude is probably the weakest server that he's faced in this event, besides maybe Rublev, but he smacked Rublev anyway, 6-4, 6-1. I think Djokovic has a bunch of chances to apply pressure, in root service games, I think he'll break through. He might have a shot to win a set six one here, like he did against Rublev. But I will take Djokovic minus four and a half games at plus one fifty five. I really like the value for a guy who could break his opponent maybe two times in each set. It wouldn't totally shock.
1: Yeah, I mean, if he does that six two set, then you're pretty much you're pretty much set. Or maybe six one. I mean, if, if he break.
0: serves first, it could be six one.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you get to any one of those, and even if the second set goes to a tie break, you're, you're already set for that.
0: Yeah, but even a 6-3, 6-4 works for me, but I've seen Djokovic in finals before. He usually just, you know, dominates. The exception of the Rune match, where he had a serious shot to just end the match quickly. He won the first set and had triple break point in the first service game of the second set, and then let Rune hang around, and Rune ended up winning that match. But props to Rude. He's had a great tournament run. I think there are levels here, and Djokovic is better. So once again, uh, Sam's picks, he's going to go with me, uh, or maybe you can say I stole it from him, however you want to look into it. But we have the rude uh, personal game total under 10.5 at minus 125. Sam's going with the total breaks of serve under. 3.5 at plus 105 as his dog. As for me, same lock as Sam. And for my dog, I'm going with an alternative spread. I'm going with Djokovic, uh, minus 4.5 games at plus 155. But that's going to wrap it up for this episode. I'm not exactly sure when the next episode is going to be because this is the final ATP event. I thought about maybe dabbling in a challenger event or two, but finding outrights is kind of difficult. And I thought about maybe doing a Davis Cup episode but betting odds are pretty difficult to find for those matches as well. So I might do one final recap of the season going through top players, kind of going report card style, and I'll grade their seasons up to this point. Maybe talk about some early betting lines for the Australian Open, but I'm not exactly sure when that's going to be. So just stay tuned. But if you don't see an episode at some point in the next few days, it's because there's not much content to actually go through. But either way, uh, Sam, thanks for coming back on the show. Uh, definitely been uh, fun, you know, watching the matches with you in general, but I know that you're busy, uh, so you haven't had the time to come on the podcast. But let the people know where they can find you, or just let the people know what you're up to and, you know, how life is, I guess.
1: Quick question that maybe the fans would like to know about, uh, or the listeners. How many times has he won this event?
0: Uh, Djokovic? yeah. I've gone. I I went through this in the last uh, episode. I'm trying to remember the exact number. I believe he has three ATP finals wins, and he's made the finals. I want to say five times, but I'm not exactly sure if that's accurate. I'm pretty sure that's right, but I'm going to pull it up right now. I 100% mentioned that in the last podcast with it in front of me. But let me just pull that up really quickly.
1: Well, he won it in 20. uh, Yep. Go ahead.
0: Uh, Djokovic has won it. Sorry, I misspoke. Djokovic has won it five times and he's made it to the final seven times. I got that right in the last episode. So he's a five-time winner going for a sixth, going for a sixth. And this is his eighth finals appearance.
1: Uh, It's, it's unrivaled, but um, yeah. Federer
0: is close in this event because Federer's won it uh, six times and Federer's made the final uh, ten times.
1: Well, it's time for Djokovic to tie up those numbers. Just saying, so Federer, Federer,
0: that's why I said it's a toss-up in this event and why they're the best two hardcore players of all time. Going solely based on this event, Federer technically is the GOAT for this event because he's won it six times and he's made ten finals, but Djokovic isn't that far behind. There's nobody else near the two of them.
1: Yeah, Djokovic might be able to surpass him with the career he still has. But anyway, um, yeah, I've been off for a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit of a time issue for me, but I'm happy to be back on, happy to be talking tennis again, and I'm looking forward to be backing on this uh, this podcast in the future.
0: Yep, looking forward to having you on. Uh, once again, I'm sure we'll have you uh, back, uh, hopefully in a more consistent capacity if the workload that you're dealing with kind of slows down a bit. But that should be at some point in... I'd say January, kind of when the tournaments are about to start up again in Australia, either in Brisbane or Sydney or any of those lead up to the tournaments for the Australian Open. But you can find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Uh, besides this podcast, of course, I still do the NBA gambling podcast a couple times a week, do the NFL gambling podcast a couple times a week, uh, occasionally on the prop cast and doing a bunch of editing for all the podcasts. But if you want free picks, you know where to find it. It's at the Sports Game Podcast Network. If you like any sport, Odds are they have a show for you. I know the World Cup is starting up on Sunday, and we have a soccer gambling podcast as well as a brand-new World Cup gambling podcast. So you have two separate sources to potentially find some soccer bets for you. Sam, you going to dabble what all on the pitch?
1: uh i don't know i have to look into it a little bit more i don't know as much as i know about tennis on soccer
0: yep fair enough kind of just curious i know a lot of people are going to blindly fade france now that benzema has officially been ruled out for the event big deal with the future markets but if you want more soccer breakdowns there check out those two podcasts that i mentioned if you want to follow any other sports college football we have a show for that college basketball show for that baseball's during the off season but we have a show for that during the season. We cover everything. There's even a Frisbee podcast like we we cover everything over the Sports Game podcast and network. But other than that though, until next time, maybe I'll just wanna, show well,
1: I'm sorry. I just want everyone to know that I will be personally betting this under 10 and a half. So, I, if it loses just you can know that money out of my wallet will be there'll be money out of my wallet if it if it loses and if not we all win together so first of all sam
0: you said my wallet it's our wallet because we're both betting the same play but we're in this together but yeah we bet every play we give out on the show so there you go but other than that though until next time either on this show or if you just find me in some other capacity on another show good luck to all of you and all of your bets bye everyone